0: Whether you're a Christian or not, uh, the idea of resurrection is probably a little mind-boggling, maybe even a little confusing. I mean, how can people who are dead come back to life? It seems like once you're dead, you stay dead. And yet, in the story today in John 11, we're going to hear about a time when Jesus uh, brought a friend of his, Lazarus, back from the dead. Uh, And then Jesus goes on to say, I am the resurrection and the life. So we're going to unpack that a little bit today as we continue our series, Jesus Revealed. And one of our pastors, Sally Campbell Evans, is going to really help us understand uh, what Jesus's comments might have meant for the people then and what it can mean for us today. So check it out.
1: A lot of us are traveling this summer, right? I mean, we travel by airplane or cruise ship. We hop in the car or we jump on the bus. For some of us, it is the Hyde Park Church bus Yes, that's right. In mid-June, I drove a bunch of our prime timers up to Lake Junaluska, North Carolina and back. And we had a marvelous time together. But I must say, on the ride home, particularly as we were crossing the line back into Florida, I became increasingly aware of signs, road signs. Welcome to Florida. Get your live baby gators and your orange juice here. There were signs for Legoland and Disney World. There were signs encouraging visitors to explore our natural springs and our beautiful beaches. And as the miles seemed to drag on and on, thankfully, there were signs saying, Starbucks, two miles ahead on the left. Bypass signs, detour signs, highway signs, all of them are very helpful. They point us to what lies ahead. They point us to the future. Now in truth, sometimes on occasion, it is possible uh, that we might miss a sign. And so it was great that I had eight women in the back of the bus asking me if I had seen the sign for the rest stop, the one back there that we had just passed. You know who you are, you were a big help. It seems important And it is good to have others who can help us see and interpret the signs. So like I said, I've been thinking about signs and in particular, because that is what the author of John's gospel calls the series of events and encounters with Jesus that he describes. He calls them signs. They point us somewhere else. They want us to look ahead. In truth, we sometimes find it hard to look beyond the sign or the miracle story, if you will, because, well, we get too caught up in all the details. Asking ourselves, is this true? Did it really happen exactly that way just as the story is written? instead of asking more important questions about the truth, the future to which that sign is pointing. Asking, what is being made known about God through Jesus' ministry in this particular story? Well, our text today, the nine verses that we have just read The nine verses, they are of a very in-depth, detail-laden story about the raising of Lazarus from the dead. All 44 verses together are a story that is a sign about death and life, new life, abundant life, life that Jesus offers. I love the Gospel of John and this well-told story well, it draws us in until it hits a little too close to home, until the threat of death feels a little too real and the hope a little too uncertain. Some of you know that one of my siblings has been hospitalized and quite ill for the past month. So when pondering this text this week, I'm aware that it's a little harder to approach the tomb of Lazarus in the midst of a loved one's or our own illness and possible death. In truth, reading the story this time has made me more aware of and even more interested in Martha and Mary than in Lazarus. Because for most of the story, these two sisters sit. They sit where many of us sit or have sat, waiting and worried. I mean, the raising of Lazarus is an incredible miracle, but it's not until 40 verses in that the miracle occurs. And frankly, it only takes three verses to complete it. The rest of the time, it's about Martha and Mary coming to terms with their brother's illness and his eventual death and their relationship with Jesus, the one who is the resurrection and the life. One pastor, his name is Tim Williams, he put it this way, Lazarus's sickness and death serve as a a kind of dramatic backdrop for Martha and Mary's own personal crisis of faith. Their encounters with Christ are extraordinary articulations of the way we work out our faith in fear and trembling, amidst tears, and truth telling. So in case you don't know, or perhaps have forgotten parts of this incredible story, let's review it a bit. Jesus had his parents and his siblings, and he had the disciples. But as a grown man, he also had three very close friends, a man named Lazarus and his two sisters, Martha and Mary. Now, you may remember them from other gospel stories. Martha is the active one serving others, while Mary is a bit more reserved, more pious, sitting at Jesus' feet. The three siblings lived together in Bethany, two miles or so outside of Jerusalem. Now, these were close friends. Roberta Bondi calls them his adult friends. They're the kind of friends that you regularly invite over for dinner friends that perhaps you would like to go on vacation with, friends that you do not have to pretend in front of. You can laugh and argue and cry and be your whole authentic true self with. We don't know how many close friends Jesus had, but we do know that this foursome, they were very close, they were tight. Friends like these are rare, Friends like these are precious. So when Lazarus became ill, naturally the sisters send word for Jesus to come. And Surely they knew about Jesus healing others, and maybe they had hoped that he would heal their brother. But at the very least, they thought he should be with them, sit with them, maybe even hold Lazarus' hand. You'd think that Jesus would come immediately But he doesn't. He delays. He dallies a bit. And Lazarus? Lazarus dies before Jesus arrives in Bethany. I've always thought that that was a bit confusing. Why was it that Jesus didn't go right away to be with his friends until I learned something from seminary professor Fred Craddock about the sign stories in John's Gospel? A sign story consists of a miraculous act of Jesus, usually surrounded or followed by a theological discussion of its meaning. In other words, it's important to know that there are at least two features that mark sign stories. The first one is that Jesus acts according to his own time and not according to the external pressures of anyone. So the urgency of Lazarus's situation, it doesn't change what is being shared about the future reality. Jesus's actions are, if you will, from above. There's more going on here than just Lazarus's own life and death. The second thing about a sign story is that its primary function is about revelation revealing something about God's glory and presence in this world through Jesus's ministry. So when Jesus finally does arrive in Bethany, Martha goes out to meet him. Now, I can imagine that in addition to her deep grief, she's also pretty upset with her good friend Jesus, disappointed, maybe even disgusted. And I can imagine her saying something like, Where in the world have you been? What took you so long? If you had been here, Jesus, if you had been here, he wouldn't have died. If only, if only you had been here, this might not have happened at all. How many millions of people throughout the ages, people like you and me, have asked that very question or have made that statement, if only, If only Lazarus had gotten more exercise or eaten the right foods or if Lazarus had gone to the doctor sooner. If only our faith was stronger. If only we prayed more often. If only. Yes, Martha is upset, even mad at Jesus, and she lets him know it. But then it's like catching her breath. She adds, but even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. She's still hopeful. And Jesus says to her, Your brother will rise again. Well, since Martha is a faithful first century Jew, she believed the standard Jewish teaching of the time that he would rise again one day in the future. And so she says, I know, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said, I. And the resurrection and the life. Wow, that statement, that unflinching self disclosure, that bold affirmation is nothing short of amazing. It is a profound theological statement for sure. In her new book, Signs and Wonders A Beginner's Guide to the Miracles of Jesus, Amy Jill Levine says, Here, here is John's miracle. When Jesus says to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. When he says that, he is collapsing time. No longer does eternal life mean something way in the future, something later. It means something now, right now. Resurrection isn't just a doctrine or a future fact resurrection is a person and he is standing right in front of Martha, inviting her and inviting us to take that huge jump of trust and hope and faith. Like Martha, we live in the not yet of final resurrection and in the already of what Jesus called an abundant life, new life. With this understanding, With new life, everything, everything looks different. Jesus is helping Martha to see, see the world, see her life through resurrection eyes. And then he asks, do you believe this? Martha is starting to get it. When Jesus asks if she believes he is the resurrection, she acknowledges, yes, Lord, I believe. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, the one coming into the world." She believes. And she does so because there's something about Jesus that she trusts. There's something about Jesus that we all can trust. The story continues beyond the parts we read. Perhaps believing that something wonderful was about to happen, I don't know, maybe sensing something from Jesus, Martha goes back inside and called her sister Mary, the one who in the other gospels she seems to be at odds with, disagreeing over serving the guest or sitting at Jesus' feet. Remember? Mm-hmm. So she goes back in to her sister and she privately tells Mary, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she got up and quickly went out to Jesus. Oh my goodness. I would like to think that Martha's action was, well, an act of compassion because she wanted to share her happiness with her sister. Or maybe, maybe she knew how frustrated Mary was with Jesus too and and she was concerned and wanted to help them reconcile. I don't know, but somehow, in the face of illness and death, things that are most dear to us, like relationships, those important things often become clearer, and we see life differently, and we love much more deeply. Well, at any rate, Mary comes out saying the same thing to Jesus. If only you had been here and then the grief is too raw, the pain too hard, and she begins to weep. And so did all those who had gathered to be with her and support her. And with that, filled with compassion for them and for this whole situation, Jesus also wept. Why do you think? Why is Jesus weeping? I think he's weeping over how incredibly hard it is to be a human being sometime. He's weeping about how precious and fragile life is and how tenderly it is that that we love each other. He's weeping because he is Emmanuel, God with us, and he knows us very well. He knows how hard it is to be separated by illness and death by misunderstanding and isolation, by pride and regrets. And I imagine he is weeping over knowing what is just ahead for him, betrayal and a cross, death and resurrection. Oh, I think Jesus is weeping about what is happening to you within you right now and to the people that you love. He walks with us and weeps with us because he cares for us. Eventually, Jesus asks for the stone to be rolled away and calls Lazarus to come out, to come out of the tomb. And Lazarus walks out, grave clothes and all. It's almost anticlimactic because the sisters who have been locked in their own tombs of fear and sadness, are already experiencing a new relationship with Jesus. I am the resurrection and the life, he says. I have come to bring you life. 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 To live. That is what this sign is pointing to. Death does not have the final say here. It's a story of encouragement to live, to take off your grave clothes and leave behind anything that binds you. Take off everything that keeps you from being all that God created you, unique you to be. It's an orientation that shapes everything we do and who we are. It's an encouragement to live in the sunshine and live every single day of our lives. Live it fully with tears of gratitude for the miracle of it all in your eyes. You know, there was one more sign I saw traveling south on I-75 into Florida recently. Well, it was kind of a series of signs, warnings, scaring the heck out of people to believe in Jesus. And when I saw it, I kind of cringed at the fear-mongering tactics being used. And yet I have to admit, The more I thought about it, there was something about it that I liked. The sign showed a bunch of zombies slowly moving towards something. And the tagline simply read, join the living. Friends, our text today invites us all to trust Jesus, to move from death to new life, to join the living, and to live, and along the way to help others live, to help others throw off their grave clothes too, and not take any of this precious life for granted again. This is the good news being shared today. This is the resurrection and the life, the already and the not yet, the present hope and the future promise all fused into one. Yes, this is the life Jesus invites us into. Would you pray with me? Oh, Jesus, we thank you for making yourself known to two grieving sisters and for bringing Lazarus back to life. And your question, that question to Martha, well, frankly, it ricochets down through history to us today asking us if we believe this. Believe you. And if we do, what difference does it make in the way we live our lives? Help us, Jesus. Help us to believe and to live fully as resurrected people, orienting our whole lives towards you. We pray in your name.
0: Thanks so much for watching this message. I hope that it uh, helped you understand resurrection a little bit better. Maybe helped you understand this story a little bit better. Maybe in some way, uh, a better understanding of resurrection helped you answer some questions you might have had about what it means to believe, to believe in God, to believe in a God who does resurrection on a day-by-day basis. If that struck you in some way, uh, we'd love to hear from you. You can go to our next steps page and reach out to one of us, the staff, me, Matt Hotho, uh, or you can join a small group or just think about this through the reflection questions that are in the notes below. Thanks so much for joining us and we'll see you next time.